We've been talking about what? Faith. Faith heroes from where? Hebrews 11 and tiny part of 12. And that's what we're going to look at uh, this evening. The tiny part of 12. I'll read it for you. Don't make too much noise on that whole time. Everybody watching? Listening? You weren't, but you are now. Good? Good, good, good. Okay. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's just pray real quick. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that your Son, our Savior, Jesus, is seated at your right hand. He has finished his course. He has kept the faith. He has received your acknowledgement as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's entered into that perfect joy. And we pray now that he would share it with us, even as we look to him um, as Boys and girls, men and women, who really would love to be heroes of faith, uh, living by faith, enduring by faith, acting by faith, and eventually dying in the faith. So bless us, Holy Spirit, with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the picture. You're in a big sports stadium, like the Olympics, and you're going to run a race, so let's say there's a big oval. Maybe it's a long distance race. Yeah, it is a long distance race. And uh, you come out from the dressing room and you're all ready to start this race and suddenly you see this huge crowd. This isn't a COVID crowd of cardboard cutouts. This is thousands of people packed together. And maybe you first see them and you go, whoa. I don't know if I want all of them to watch me run. But the author says, we have, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Now, who are they? Well, they're the people that have been mentioned in chapter 11, the famous ones. Name me one famous one. What? Jonah. Jonah. <laughs> I don't think Jonah was in there. <laughs> by faith, they were swallowed by a big fish? No. But I'll give it to you. Who? Abraham. Abraham. And how about Noah? And Moses. Okay, good. And Samson. We talked about Samson. And then there were all of these not so famous heroes that are just mentioned by what they did. So. They all finish their race and then they go sit in the grandstand in the arena and they wait for the next ones to come and run. And so we are surrounded by this great 
cloud of witnesses so that we can run a race. Now remember, we said that people who have this faith, a faith that endures, uh, a faith that does things, so they built arts, they offered offerings, they experienced difficulties. Uh, and so I mentioned in our first talk, I think, that we have something to do as well. And it falls under the heading of running a race. So just like they did different things, so we are going to run this race. And it's a long distance race. It's one where you're likely to get tired. You know, a short race, you can run all out for a few yards. Well, unless you're me. Um, but if you're going to run and run and run and run, that's where the endurance comes in. So we're going to run this long, long race. We're encouraged by what has gone, those who have gone before. That's why we've been talking about it. But if we're really going to run this race, effectively, we have to look at the last hero of faith who's mentioned in the first little piece of chapter 12. Now let's see if we guess who that might be. Look to Jesus. All right, all right. Jesus is the one that we keep our eyes fixed on so that we can run successfully this race that he has given us. There's so much we can say about Jesus. What do we know about Jesus? Jesus, eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Before there was anything in existence except God, God was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God sent, the Father sent the Son into the world. And he became a human being, conceived and born from the Virgin Mary. You should all be nodding. You know the Holy Spirit? Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. Did I make a mistake yet? So far, so good? I don't know. All right, we're good. So incarnate, he lived his whole life without ever disobeying God. And in the end, he died on the cross. And that cross is explained in terms of the forgiveness of sins. We deserve God's wrath and curse. But Jesus, as the second Adam and the son of God and the son of David, is the representative for his people, and so he acted as a substitute. Now, all of that is wonderful, and all of that needs to be celebrated and talked about forever and ever and ever and ever. But the point here is... That Jesus was someone who looked forward and made choices in the present in light of what was set before him. I'm losing eye contact. And you know what I said the other day? If you're not looking at me, I conclude you're not listening. You're not looking at me. Now you are. Now you're listening to me. I just saw the whole thing go up. So Jesus was doing exactly what Abraham did, and Noah, and Moses, and all of those other people. They lived, remember we said last night, living 
in two worlds. The first creation that has fallen, it's beautiful, but it's got its difficulties, big problems. But then Jesus, in coming into the world, brought the future, that invisible future that we haven't seen yet. And he lived his own life on the same pattern of endurance, perseverance, because of faith and courage. I mean, I don't know that we think about Jesus very often as a brave man, but he was. He was a man of faith, courage, endurance, and the cross here is mentioned as the great ordeal that he had to undergo. Remember, it talked about people being tortured, people being imprisoned, uh, people having to hide in holes of the ground and not having any home. Those were all terrible trials. And Jesus went to the cross by faith because he was looking at something that was set before him by the Father. You know, we don't want to make too much of the physical suffering of Jesus in the cross because that can just get gory and stupid. Um, but neither do we want to make too little. And I was thinking about, in this talk, um, you know, every once in a while I think about what, I would, what it would be like if I was arrested. Um, Mr. Farnick talked about a young pus last night. You're arrested, you're put on trial, and they say, you're going to die. We're going to execute you. <clears throat> Would I be brave enough to go ahead and continue to love and serve Jesus even if they were going to kill me? And what if the execution was the most ugly and painful way to execute somebody that had been invented in the history of the world up to Jesus' time? Just think about how brave as well as loving, Jesus was to face that cross. I mean, they were going to embarrass him. They were going to shame him. I mean, think about the story, right? They, 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 he said he's a king. So they said, oh, well, let's, let's, uh, let's get a look at this king. So they made a crown of gold, and it had beautiful jewels in it, and they put it on his head. Oh, wait a minute, no, that, no, that's not right. What did they do? Thorns, right? They 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 twisted thorns into a crown and they put it on his head and then they beat him over the head <coughs> with sticks to drive it in. And then they said, "That's what we think of you as a king." And they put a robe on him and they and they made fun of him. He had, he said he was a prophet, so they blocked, you know they punched him and then they said, "Who who hit you?" I mean, it was horrible. But he courageously persevered in the face of all of that so that we could have forgiveness of sins. I don't want to take anything away from that substitution and the forgiveness that flows from it. But also so that as a man of faith, he could finish doing what the Father had given him to do. And he did that because he looked past the cross, just like Noah had to look past the flood. Abraham had to look past the leaving his homeland. Moses had to look past losing all of the wealth of Egypt. 
And Jesus was looking to that future. And so he endured the cross, it says, not counting its shame. And then through the resurrection and the ascension, he sat down with the majesty on high. And he's the one, more than Abraham, more than Moses, more than Noah, more than any of those other witnesses, they're all standing in, they're all sitting in the arena, but we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because he's the one who begins our faith, and he is the one who completes our faith. He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion in that day when he returns. And what did Jesus have his eye on? We could say he had his eye on a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He had his eye on a new country. But chapter 12 says he had his eye on joy. There was a lot of pain that he was going to have to face, but he knew that beyond it was joy. And I want to bring that then in as the close. I could, I could talk for a long time on joy, but let's just think about joy. What is it that makes you the most joyful in life? And it could be a sucker, but the sucker's gone pretty soon. Right? It's gone already, right? Could have to have another one before bedtime. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's, I mean, it could be any number of things. And they have their place. But ultimately, joy comes from living in eternal fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has gotten there ahead of us. And now he says, come on, follow me. And whatever we have to do in the immediate present, we can make that choice, the faith choice, the courageous choice, the enduring choice, because we're looking to Jesus and to the joy that he's already experiencing, and he invites us to experience it with him. Pretty cool one. Better than candy. Better than any human relationship. Better than any job. Better than freedom and money and everything else that this world has to offer. So that's why we said last night, sometimes we have to let go what this world has to offer because we're looking for something better and something eternal. And Hebrews, a little bit of Hebrews 12, says it's joy. Joy in the Lord and joy with the Lord Jesus for all eternity. I hope you guys will all finish your race. Finish your work. Finish it in faith. Boy, I look at your faces and I think, boy, what, what are the jobs that are represented here, the, the relationships that are represented, uh, represented here? I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. I love to think about it. But most of it hasn't happened yet. And uh, your parents are going to help you grow further. But just keep it simple. Run your race with your eye fixed on Jesus, knowing that you will absolutely, certainly share his joy if you continue in the faith, if you endure courageously, whatever may happen to you or whatever God calls you to do, just like all those witnesses did, 
and just like Jesus himself did. Lord, we thank you that Jesus is there at your right hand and just waiting for us all who love you and trust you to enter into his joy, the joy of the Heavenly Father. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, I don't expect anybody to remember these talks for very long. I'm not even going to remember them for very long. But I pray that you would continue to let this simple challenge resonate in our hearts every single day, and particularly when the choice is set before us. Are we going to please ourselves or please our Savior? Are we going to be contented and happy and enrich ourselves in this world, or are we going to let it all go for the sake of the kingdom of God? And help us every single day to make the right choice until that day when we do finally enter again to the joy and the glory of our Savior. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.